All right, if you have your Bibles, turn back to Philippians chapter 3 tonight, Philippians chapter 3. I tell you what, I never get tired of reading and preaching in a chapter that God's laid on my heart. And I tell you what, it's a struggle for a lot of preachers to find where they're going to preach because they've got the whole Bible. And uh, when you're going through a series like this, it just thrills my heart because I hadn't left today. I've been here all day getting ready for the deacons meeting and this building program and uh, anniversary Sunday. And so I'm just glad I know where I'm going. I know I'm going to heaven, but I know where I'm going in the scripture. And uh, I hope this hadn't bored you. I hope that you're uh, excited about letting the Bible preach to you. You know, uh, W.A. Criswell preached through the Bible several times in his ministry, and he said, my goal is to let the Bible preach to you. Amen? And just let the Bible speak in context, and I thank God for that. So we're going to start with verse 17 again, and I hope that we'll finish this chapter, but I doubt it, and we'll continue next Sunday morning on um, this um, singleness of life. We ought to press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, verse 14. And then we ought to definitely count uh, all things that we may win Christ. That's the right value system. You know, we need to have some value clarification here. You know, a lot of people count a lot of things value that are very temporal, they're very trivial, and they'll soon pass away. Only what's done for Christ will last. So give to Jesus all your days, for it's the only life that pays. When you recall, you have but one life. You're going to live forever. And you're either going to live forever in heaven or hell, your eternal soul. And I want to tell you something, to know that your life counted on this earth. I'm talking about being a pilgrim and an ambassador and a witness for Christ's sake while you're making this sojourn with fear. And so I pray that you'll get something out of these lessons and uh, these uh, sermons out of Philippians chapter 3. Let's stand on the Word of God. Verse 17. The Bible says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. We preached on that one word, ensample, this morning. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping. It broke his heart. That they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. And let me just define that right here. That means anything that people add to salvation besides the finished work of the cross of Calvary is an enemy of the cross. Folks, it's all by grace and it's through faith. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. Now I want us to get the right perspective in closing this chapter out. And it says... uh, or the right prospect. It says, for our conversation, that word literally means way of life, is in heaven, from whence also we look, very strong word, look for the Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies that we may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to do all things unto himself. He is able to subdue all things unto himself. And thank God for that privilege of sanctification. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for our visitor being with us and several others here. God, that haven't been in a while. And God, thank you for a good congregation. Thank you for the beautiful weather. And God, thank you for all the work that's been done even today to make uh, these uh, facilities more um, 
usable and Lord uh, feasible and we thank God for those that were mopping this morning and working even behind the scenes. Uh, God during the service trying to get things straight. But we know the devil tries to interrupt, he tries to uh, invade our thoughts and devour and divide us. And God I just praise you that uh, we're still together as a church, as a family. And Lord I just pray dear God that you'd be with those that's going through some horrendous uh, problems in their homes with their children and grandchildren. And Lord, dear God, I pray that you just uh, help them in a special way uh, to be able to worship tonight. Lord, I pray for the anticipation of this week that God, you'd work miracles. And God, you'd just uh, answer our prayers concerning others. And Lord, we're going to thank you and praise you. Lord, help us to have the right focus in life. God, help us to be uh, thrilled about the prospect of soon going to be with you as you're coming. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the Bible says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said in verse uh, 17 that you ought to mark them that are adding to the cross of Calvary, the Judaizers, uh, those that add uh, to their religion works, Try to mingle that. We're going into the book of Hebrews in a couple of weeks. And I'm excited about that study. Uh, in the New Testament, we're going to be going a chapter of a Sunday, I believe. Maybe a half a chapter. 26-week series out of the book of Hebrews. And it's a great book. But I want to tell you something, friend. I'm glad that I'm not looking for substance or signals or ceremonies. I'm looking for Jesus. And I'm not here to try to uh, carry out some kind of uh, ceremony or try to some, have some kind of symbol, or make some kind of sacrifice, because all that was fulfilled at Calvary. We can look back to the greatest offering, and the greatest altar, and the greatest lamb, and the greatest Savior that's ever walked this earth, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to look back to Calvary often and realize why we're serving God. We serve Him out of love, not out of obligation. His commandments are not grievous, praise God. I hope you don't have rope burns on your neck from your wife brag, dragging you to church. I hope, children, you want to be here and you just not happen to be here because mom and daddy says it's the time to be here. Some of you came without your parents, praise God. And I thank God for your faithfulness. But I want to tell you something, friend. There ought to be a look. This word look comes from a Greek word and uh, it means to, to look only at the Savior. It means to look away uh, uh, from the things of the world and the trinkets of the world and the obstacles of the world and all the things that the world advertises as important. I want to tell you something, friend. 10,000 years from now, you'll find out what's important. And what's important is if you please God and glorify Him in your life. At the judgment seat of Christ, many people be standing in the ashes because that all their works were wood, hay, and stubble. They were all for selfish motives. They were all because they loved themselves, and they uh, didn't love God and live for His glory. And if you do have a crown presented to you, thank God you're going to cast it at His feet. Amen. And say, I did it all for you, Lord, and all glory goes to you. Glory to the Lamb King is going to be the theme of the book of Revelation. But I want you to notice the prospect of the believer but I want to back up just a little bit and tell you that uh, Paul was not only pointing <clears throat> those believers to him, but he was pointing those to Jesus. 
Because after he said, follow me, he said, look for the Savior. Look for his soon return. Look for a place where you're going to be changed in a twinkle of an eye. And thank God the rapture takes place, you're going to be changed. Amen. Folks, there'll be no more aches and pains. There'll be no more cancer. There'll be no more disease. And folks, the doctor will be out of business and the hospital will be empty because we're going to be like Jesus. And that means our vile bodies are going to be changed in fashion like into His glorious body. But until then, we ought to have a goal in our heart to know God, verse 10, and we ought to be conformed to His image. And sometimes it takes the fellowship of His suffering. And folks, I know that uh, this couple is going through a horrendous time, but I pray that God would use this trouble as He uses all trouble for one thing, and that's to conform us to His image. Not all troubles for chastening. Not all troubles for conditioning. And not all troubles for a miraculous change of a miracle. But it's always for, for God's glory and our good. And folks, when we're good is when we're like Christ. And folks, I want to tell you something. We've got a good goal. We've got a good object of our faith. His name is Jesus. And I want to tell you something. I don't want to be like another preacher. And I don't want to be like somebody else. I want to be me. But I want you to know, friend, and if I'm not here and trying to be somebody else, then nobody's here. The person I'm imitating is not here, and I'm not here, so there's nobody here. I just want to be me. And God has created me different than you. And folks, I want to tell you something, but He's created all of us for His glory. And we ought to follow His example. Look away from other things, uncertain things. Look with undivided attention. Uh, to have in full view is what this word look means. It's afro-avio in the Greek. And folks, I want to tell you what that means. It means that you pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow Him. John, thir- uh, Let me just give you a few examples of what Jesus said that He was an example of that He wants you to follow. I want you to look at John 13, 34 real quick. John 13, 34. You can look at it real slow if you want to. Because we got plenty of time, amen? I've been here all day. I'm feeling quite at home, amen? But look at John 13, 34. The Bible says this, A new commandment I have given to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another. Now, folks, you got to look at someone that loves you in spite of you. And that's exactly the way we ought to love each other. We ought to love each other not for what we can get back. That's called bartered love. You scratch my back, the old saying is, and I'll scratch yours. Well, I want to tell you something, folks. He not only scratched your back, he made your back. And praise God, he's got your back. And as I said, the the government might shut down, but God's never going to shut down. And folks, he loves you no matter what. And has it dawned on you lately that you can't do anything to cause Christ not to love you? That is an example. He said it very clearly. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. I'm going to tell you something. Some people don't come to this church because they think we have too high a standard. And I want to tell you what the standard is. Be like Christ. Amen. Amen. That's about as high as you can get. But it's not one that's uh, condescending and it's not some hateful... Um, Um, uh, manipulation. It's just what we ought to do. It's what we ought to be. 
We're to be full of His love. Let me give you another one uh, about the following the example of Christ. I mean, we ought to look to the Savior. That's the prospect of one day being like the Savior. But until then, there needs to be some self-discipline. There needs to be some devotion. There needs to be some dedication. There needs to be some consecration where you offer yourself to the Lord afresh and anew every day of your life. Not to be like the professor and not to be like the teacher and not to be like the preacher, but to be like Christ. What a great goal. What an ambition. Ambitious. We ought to go after it. We ought to have some vigor about it. We ought to have a value about it. Folks, God has enabled you through the Holy Ghost that's inside of you. When you got saved, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit came into your life for you to be like Christ. What a wonderful privilege it is to please Christ and have the applause of heaven and not of this earth. But look at this real quick. I've got to hurry. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. And this is just the introduction, but don't, 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 don't get all uptight. I'll just preach next Sunday the message and give you just the introduction. And all God's people said, I hope so. But look at this, Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. I love these verses. I love all the verses, but this is really special because it's serving God the easy way. Remember that message by Steve Sparks about 100 years ago when he preached here? Unfortunately, he's not preaching anymore, and he's not pastoring. Boy, what a great message that was that night on Awesome Preaching August on serving God the easy way. Serving God the easy way. Here's how you serve God the easy way. Come to me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. But the verse I want to focus on is verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest in your soul for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, folks, he's saying, follow my example. He's saying, he's saying, I can't do anything without God. I can't do anything without the Spirit. And, folks, what he's saying is, learn of me. Watch me. Look at me. Let me set you an example. Be meek. Meekness is not weakness. And it's not thinking down on yourself. It's just not thinking of yourself. But it's also knowing yourself that you cannot serve God unless you're yoked up. Unless He's carrying the load. Amen? It's almost a picture of, of one oxen that has short feet and the other one has strong legs and, and you think you're moving that cart, but you're not doing anything but yoking up and getting some direction. Folks, you can't please God without His power, without His presence, and without His example of meekness. You cannot make it without God. I wish we could get that through our thick heads. Or I'll say my thick head. I don't know how your head is. I wish I'd just get the... I can't make it without prayer. I can't make it without my Bible study. I can't make it without going to church. I wish people had that attitude. Folks, if we really have the prospect of His soon coming, the Bible says so much the more as we see the day approaching. And the Bible says we ought to come provoking each other not to anger and jealousy, but to love. God forbid we'd have that junk in our church of envy and jealousy and splits and splanters and trying to come to be seen. Folks, we're coming to see Jesus. Amen. We're coming to look to Him. We're coming to face Him. We're coming to line up our life with Him. He's our standard, amen, of love. He's our example of meekness. Learn of me. I'm meek and lowly, He said. And then, thank God, this is a good one. He's our example of forgiveness. How many has ever been hurt before? Raise your hand. 
rest of you come to the altar for lying in the house of God. We've all been hurt. Amen? We've all been misunderstood. We've all been ill and irritable like I was this morning. We all have had a bad day. Come on, say amen right there. Am I the only backslider in this place? But I want to tell you something. I thank God for His grace. And I thank God for His mercy. And I'm glad He didn't throw me out when I had a bad Sunday as pastor of this church like a lot of preachers get ousted out by a 55% vote. It takes 75% for you to get rid of me. But I want to tell you this, friend. Uh, I'm glad that we're not trying to cross this line or knock this chip off. My, love is not easily offended. Say amen. Just go ahead and knock that chip off. Some of you come with chips on your shoulder. I mean, it's balanced right there. And you just dare somebody to look at you or even, or even not look at you. And boy, there goes the chip. And you go home with a chip on your shoulder. <laughs> How many ever, oh, I won't even ask you. I won't even ask you. How many ever come home with a chip on your shoulder? I ain't going to, and don't ask me, but I want to tell you this, friend, there's forgiveness. Colossians 3.13, Colossians 3.13, I'm showing you what the Lord said to follow me as an example of. Now, if He said it, we ought to do it. Say amen. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, the Bible says this. It says, forbearing one another, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, now here it is, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Remember that morning, this morning I talked about the performance of it? Just get with it. Stop talking about it and studying about it and live it. Walk the walk and don't just talk the talk. I mean, put it into action. Folks, God has called us to be proactive. We ought to be thrilled about the opportunity of this week to prove God faithful, and to prove God meek, but to prove God forgiving. That's hard, isn't it? How many of you sometimes held a grudge and didn't speak to somebody like your wife for about two days? Boy, isn't it terrible? Isn't it awful? You go to bed mad and you get up the next morning and everything's cold, even her feet. And man, you just say, well, I've got over it. But she didn't get over it. And so it's turned in bitterness. And it's like a kudzu vine. It starts growing in your heart. And, and folks, I want to tell you, one thing leads to another. And people get historical, not hysterical. They get historical. And they remember that night that they were offended. They remember that night you were so heartless. And they remember that night you were so crass and so rough and so, uh, such a bear instead of being a forebear. Forebear. And folks, I want to tell you something. You know what Christ said? Even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. The Bible says in Proverbs 13.10, all contentions brought about by pride. I want to tell you why men hold grudges longer than men, because we're women, because we're full of pride. We don't want to admit that we're lost on a trip. We'd rather die and blame the GPS than, than, than to ask for direction. Say amen right there. Praise God. I'm not lost. About four hours later, you got to admit you're lost. The other day, my son-in-law was, uh, uh, was at the airport, all of us weeping and crying. And I, I'm saying, I'm proud of Amy. Thank God they got a house today. I was worried about that. I thought, I thought they was going to live in a barn or something, you know, because he's so excited about this um, 
uh, camp, I thought, praise God, they're going to be camping out. They're not even going to have a house. And they gave out all up and selling theirs. And I said, and it's not going to be safe. I had all these worries. You know, it's going to be out in the country, and boy, those people will kill you, look at you, and attack you. And boy, I just had all this spirit of fear upon me. I had to get on my knees and say, oh, God, I know Mark's going to take care of the family, and I know more important, you're going to take care of Mark. And Lord, I got to give you this, and I got to put it in your hands. But I'll tell you what, the other day, the other day we left the airport, and old Trent, he was so upset. I didn't know he got upset, uh, uh, you know with uh, losing his uh, best friend for a couple years. And, and he took off, and they said he was almost at Florida before he realized he was going south. <laughs> <laughs> they arrived in Africa, and uh, smart Alex Steve, and he said, well, that's all right, I'm still on 400 on the perimeter, amen. I'm not even home yet, and y'all are already in Africa. Amen, they were just rubbing it in. But I'm telling you, friend, uh, man's full of pride. We don't want to say three words. Or three or four words. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. We don't want to say those words. And I'll tell you something. It clutters up in our heart, don't it? That's pride. That's stinking, unadulterated pride. But I'll tell you what's Christ-likeness. You're meek and lowly. You're full of God's love. And you'd rather win your wife back than win an argument. Come on now, say amen. Go ahead and win the argument and you'll lose your wife. But we're all determined, boy. I'm not going to admit I'm wrong. Then you'll forgive with his qualifications. Well, I'm wrong, but it's your fault. You ever done that? Brother Howard shaking his No, I've never done that. Yes, you have, brother. I'm going to ask Daisy after service. Yes, you have. You might not have said it, but you could tell you meant it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but you're the one that caused it. If you hadn't done this, 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 and this, I wouldn't be here. And we qualify our forgiveness. I'm glad that Christ does not qualify His forgiveness. He just says, I love you, I forgive you. It's under the blood. Now go on and build your future for God's glory and forget the past and press towards the mark of the high calling. It's a high calling. But I want to tell you something, it takes a whole lot of high grace to be a Christian. Amen. How many needs this message tonight about meekness and forgiveness? But I want to tell you something that's real simple. This is the key word in the Christian life. John 15.10. John 15.10. I don't really like to uh, preach topical, but here I am. Um, John 15.10. Ever have the Lord leads? We'll go with it. Luke, thank you. John 15.10. Look at it real quick. I love this whole chapter. It's about abiding. It says you can do nothing without Christ. Folks, there's a lot of plastic and manufactured fruit with people trying to produce their own fruit. But folks, when you abide in Him and your words abide in you, verse 7, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. What a prayer promise. But I want you to look at verse 10. It says, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Here's the example. I obeyed. You obey. I went to Calvary. I went to this earth. I obeyed the Father's will. It wasn't easy, it wasn't convenient, and it sure wasn't pleasurable. But I obey. Folks, one of the greatest examples of obedience is our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It wasn't easy. And some of you fair weather, pink lemonade, 
Pennyways Christians that think anything's always, uh, the Christian life is easy. You've got another thought coming. It's hard. The flesh is weak. The devil is powerful. We're no match for him. We ought to revere the devil like a serpent. I'll not be handling snakes. And somebody say amen. All you from LJ, no, no way I'm going to handle snakes. I don't think they do over there either. They do in Chatsworth though, Scotty. But anyway, I want you to know this. I want you to know it clearly. Is that folks, one of the greatest battles we have is our will versus his will. You know the devil's smart. He's very crafty. He's subtle. He's never going to come to you and say, do my will, the devil's will. He's just going to come to you with many options, many options, and say, just do your will. And I will is the fall of every great Christian. I'll do what I want to do. I will serve God when I feel like it. I will read my Bible when it's convenient. I will do this. I will do that. And the same things recorded that the devil said before he got kicked out of heaven. Isaiah chapter 14. I will is the epitaph of every great Christian. And folks, the example should be his will. I obey. And 15.10 says this, and it's so clear. It says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, even as I have. He's saying, look at my example. And He's more than a great example. And He's more than a great teacher. He's a great Savior. And He equips you with the power to obey. Folks, listen, obedience is not the very best way. It's the only way to please God. We ought to obey God rather than the flesh. And when it feels like you feel like you don't need to pray, it's the time you need to pray the most. When you don't want to go knock on doors, that's the time God's got somebody for you to minister to. And you need to go in the spirit of obedience. And they're not grievous. And then I want you to look at 1 John 3.3. 1 John 3, 3, and I'll just preach this introduction, don't worry. 1 John 3, 3. Sure wanted to get to these last verses, but we got another day, Lord willing. If not, I'll give Jason my outline. 1 John 3, 3. The Bible says this, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Aren't you glad you're in the family? Look at this now. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like who? Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Folks, the Bible tells us this, And every man that hath this hope, look to Jesus, He's coming. He's coming today, ready or not, here He comes. We used to play hide and go seek. And they would count to ten. I always counted real fast or hundred or whatever. And then I'd say, ready or not, here I come. A lot of times I was peeking while I was counting and I knew exactly what closet they were in. And I'd find them every time. Well, I'm going to tell you something, ready or not, Jesus is coming. And I'm going to tell you something, I wouldn't doubt if he'd come tonight. Look for the Savior. And I want to tell you what that look does. It, it brings the, the uh, example of Purity. Because one day we're going to be like him. 
But until then, we ought to long to be like Him and conform into His image through the Word of God and day by day submission. Then I want you to see back in Philippians, and I'll close with this beautiful passage of Scripture. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. We see the example of submission. We see the greatest example of self-denial in the Bible. We see the greatest example of humility in the Bible. In Philippians chapter 2, in verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you which also is in Christ Jesus. That means get your attitude like Christ. How, what's your attitude like? Some of you, some of you come to church, you don't even be, want to be here. You're just doing it to please somebody else. Or you read your Bible as some kind of mark your Bible through in a year. Folks, what's your attitude towards the things of God? Is it submission gladly? That's what Christ did. He said, let this mind be in you with, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Well, that's what we care about too much, isn't it? I battle it every day and you do too. We just want everybody to like us. And there's nothing wrong with popularity, but folks, I want to tell you something, that shouldn't be your God. And that shouldn't be your goal. What your goal ought to be to be like Jesus. And the Bible says you're like Him, even your enemies will be at peace with you. Amen? I want to tell you something, I've never seen a wife that's, well, I've seen a few. I've never seen many wives that, that has a hard time submitting to a godly husband like Christ. If you love your wife even as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it, I want to tell you something, she'll gladly follow you. When we came to this town, my wife packed up everything she had in a, in a cattle truck. And the other night, I think it was Wednesday, I misquoted something, and I want to straighten it out because I've been feeling bad about lying from the pulpit. We didn't, we, didn't ha- we didn't average 78 as a youth department. We had a high day of 78. We averaged 38. But I want to tell you something, I love those 38 youth. And I'll tell you who really loved them was my wife. You ask Miss Angie the mixed emotions she's going through right now. You get to attach people when you minister to them. Even though sometimes they just really disappoint you. And they really don't follow you as you follow Christ. You just get attached to them. They're your family. I'd hate to think that I have to leave this church tomorrow. But I want to tell you something, friend. God left the splendor and glory of heaven and became of no reputation and took upon him the form of a what? Servant. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And what did Paul say? Inspired by the Holy Spirit, let this mind, this attitude be in you which was also in a great leader, a great teacher in me. No, that, that, that which, which was in Christ Jesus. When he left heaven, came to this earth, died on the cross, humbled himself, came of no reputation. Even his own folks rejected him and cried out, crucify him. Even his own disciples did not go all the way across the Calvary except John and a few ladies. Didn't stop him. Why? Because he looked for the day that he'd redeem you. And he saw you. And folks, if he could see you at Calvary, 
As that old gospel song says, I was on his mind when he hung on that cross. And folks, I want to tell you something. He ought to be on our mind every day and every moment. We ought to have this goal in our life to be submissive to the will of God and deny ourselves and to be humble and say, God, I can't make it without you and I don't want to. Thank the Lord. And then last but not least, in 1 Timothy 1.16, there's another way we need to follow Jesus as our example. 1 Timothy 1.16. The Bible says this, Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. I'll wait on you. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. I want you to get this. We'll close. I'll shock you when I close so quick. Everybody there? If you're not there by now, just act like you're there. Amen. No. 1 Timothy 1, 16. How be it for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. Why? For a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. You know what he's saying? I left you a pattern. You know what that pattern is? It's going to hurt everybody. Patience. Amen. I mean, need more of that? Say amen. There's a wife raising slowly her husband's hand to the sky. You need more patience living with him. But I'm telling you this. Folks, the example of all examples is Christ Jesus. And folks, if he can be patient with us, don't you think we ought to be patient with others? I sometimes am impatient with my own self. I want to get everything done and do it now. And I want to do four things at once. Schizophrenic for the, in the third degree. But I want to tell you something, friend. I need to give up all my ADD excuses and I need to focus in on one person. I need to look to Jesus. I need to look away from everything else every day of my life and say, dear God, I want to please you today. I want to be like you today. I want to love like you. I want to be meek like you. I want to forgive like you. I want to be obedient like you. I want to be pure like you. I want to be submissive and deny myself just like you. I want to be humble. Dear God, I want to be patient. And beware, when you pray for that, He will test you and He will prove it. Let me just give you one more verse real quick. You got time for one more? It's only 7 o'clock. Good night. Hebrews 12, 2. Don't you love it? We're going to have a study of Hebrews. I wouldn't miss it for anything. In Sunday school, I'm looking forward to it. And I maybe, uh, Brother Jack will stop complaining that he wished he had had four more Sundays on this one, one subject. Amen. <laughs> it's been hard on you teachers. God bless you. You've covered a lot of territory in the life of David. We're just going to take it. One chapter at a time in Hebrews and have a good time. But I love this chapter. Wherefore, seeing we're also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. That doesn't mean people are taking a break in heaven and looking down seeing what you're doing. Folks, wherefore means take the chapter before you. And folks, what it means is wherefore, seeing we also are surrounded about with so great a cloud of witnesses that gave their life by faith to serve God and even to die for God. 
Let us lay aside every weight. That's not necessarily a sin. That's just anything that distracts you. How many has ever been distracted by something? That's why I don't believe you ought to text in church. I don't believe you ought to uh, hold a baby over your shoulder and let the whole road behind you say, Ooh, goo, 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 goo. Uh, yeah, you know, just have a good time with that baby. I believe the nursery's for a reason. Amen. Oh, that hurt some people right there. Praise God. I saw the look there. Amen. But I think we ought not be distracted. And I'm distracted. I'm very easily distracted. Sometimes I have to read my chapter of the day four times because halfway through it, I'm in Disney World or somewhere. Amen. I'm in... I'm on Star Trek or something. I don't know where I'm at, amen. I'm thinking about everything I said, everything I didn't say, everything I need to do, and all of a sudden I said, man, I just read 10 verses and I didn't get a thing out of it. And so I slapped myself and go back to those 10 verses and read them again, see if I get one thing out of it. Y- y'all, that pro- y'all have that problem? Thank you. Glad I'm not the only one. But it says, await. And the sin which does so easily beset us. Going back to chapter 11, that has to be lack of faith. That's not just your little hang-up, your little habit. The sin that so easily besets you is lack of faith. It's the only thing that will send you to hell is the sin of unbelief, by the way. And it goes on to say, The sin which so easily beset us, and let us run with what? With patience, the race that is set before us. Now here's the key. I'm getting back to my text, but it'll be Sunday morning. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I believe Paul had it right in Philippians chapter 3. You can have right values. You can have right vigor, press, count. But you better have a right vision. Look. And he is worthy of all your life. And to God be the glory. We can be an example to others if we'll just trust and look to Jesus. I love the little song. Brother Randy, I wish it was in the song book. It might be, but I can't find it. The world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's golden shore, and I can't feel at home in this world. I'm pressing towards the mark. I'm trying not to count this world so valuable that I let it suck me down with its values. But the whole time, Brother Darrell, I better stay focused. And I better stay focused on Jesus and His glory and His life and His example. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You, dear God, that it sums it up. We need to look and look away and look to you as our author and finisher of our faith. And not let the sin of unbelief so easily beset us. And not let the weights of this world so easily 
distract us and weigh us down. Lord, thank you that we can stay focused if we'll stay in the book, stay on our knees, and stay in fellowship with the brethren in this church. Dear God, through your Holy Spirit, may we see you high and lifted up as Isaiah did. And then, Lord, we'll certainly pray, woe is me. I'm of unclean lips. But dear God, it didn't stop there. It said, Lord, even so send, send me. Here am I. Send me. Lord, thank you that we have a high purpose and a high road and a high calling in this world. And that's to be like you.